Welcome to Sound of Truth Weekly Interview, where we have conversations with ordinary people to learn how our extraordinary God is at work in people's lives and in the world today. I'm your host, Brett Morani, and I'm excited you've joined us. It's always exciting for me when one of the members of our congregation volunteers to share their testimony here on Sound of Truth Weekly Interview, and that's the case today as I have Rob Anderson in my office slash studio with me today. He's come in and wants to share his testimony, and I'm thrilled about that. So Rob started coming to Harvest in June of 2020. He is friends with uh, one of our church members, and so we've been thrilled to have Rob attend here. He also was baptized here. Remember about when that was, Rob? Uh, November 29th, the last Sunday of November. Ah, great memory. Yeah. (laughs) So he was baptized here, and Rob is a native of Jacksonville. Yes, I am. Rob, welcome to Sound of Truth Weekly Interview. Thank you very much. It's a blessing and honor to be here. So, Rob, let's just start at the beginning. Tell me, tell me your story about growing up, family life, what it was like, and and then how you came to know Christ. Let's, but let's start with your background. Uh, background, um, middle class family. Uh, grew up back and forth between Jacksonville and Chicago. Uh, my mother's side of the family was from Chicago. My father's side from Florida. And so, uh, kind of, my mother kept us moving back and forth, so we can kind of get to know both sides of the family. Uh, grew up pretty good in school. Honor roll. Let me pause and ask you this question, Rob. Did you visit Chicago mostly in the summertime or in the wintertime? A little bit of both. I really love snow. So it's like, oh, I, wow. Yeah, so I'm one of the few that likes to go when it's the snow time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I uh, love it up there. Great weather. And it's nothing like a Chicago summer. I can't lie. So, um, but anyway. Uh, That's my preference to visit Chicago or anywhere in the Midwest. Of course, you know, I'm from Illinois originally. So, oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, definitely. Like I said, grew up back forth between Jacksonville, Chicago. Uh, I was more so solidified in Jacksonville, around about 15 years old, mm-hmm. and uh, went to Terry Parker High School. The average kid, average American kid, played football, uh, loved the girls, uh, had, I like to make, I like to make money, had jobs. Um, like I say, everything that a high school kid was supposed to do to be on track, that's what I was doing. And then I had a couple of um, stumbles, family um, mishaps that caused me to leave school. I had to help out with the family. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, actually... I had just received my diploma for the first time. Like I finally, I finally get to walk across stage this June 9th. So, uh, oh wow! Yeah, Congratulations! One of the other great things that's happened to me. This, on my this road June to you will. Christian. You will. This June you will. Yeah, this June. Um, in a couple weeks. Okay, three, four weeks. Yeah, All right. About three weeks. Congratulations! Now. Yeah, so it's like one of the many great things that's happened on the road to you know becoming a new Christian. I said after that, uh, pretty average life for the most part. Work hard, had kids. Uh, had a marriage. The man and her divorced, but we're still great friends. Uh, especially for a child. Mm-hmm. Uh, outside of that, uh, my real testimony would be um, like I said, I'm a workaholic. I really love working, and so, so one particular night, I just put in like 12 hours out on uh, out on the docks on Tyler. I'm, I'm a longshoreman, also, or was. I not really doing it anymore because of well, my injuries. Yeah, now I've heard <clears throat> I've heard this term before, longshoreman, but I couldn't really tell you what a longshoreman does through the day. Basically, take care of the offloading and loading of ships. We are a big part of logistics. So, okay. Yeah, you can't do anything without a lot of your longshoremen and stevedores. And stevedores are like longshoremen, but they actually work for a company more so. Yeah. Here in Jacksonville. Here yeah. In Jacksonville, yes. And so uh, I was getting off work one night. And uh, it's kind of funny because I had just made it through a whole a 12 hour shift through a hangover, and I hated it the whole time. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. another great thing I love about my Christian life—I don't get drunk anymore. Praise <laughs> yeah, Lord, yeah. You pay for it the next day. I'm tired of killing my kidneys. Mm-hmm. I'm getting off of work. Worked a little extra late. It was Christmas week, 
And um, like I say, everybody knows I'm a hard working. So, so when, I went, what year was this? This was uh, December 21st, 2019. I was okay. just getting yep. off work that evening. And uh, about 10 p.m., finally getting off. We cleaned up the dock, got everything good, done, put my tractor up. And so we're leaving. I'm going to go check. We leave, I left work, and I'm going to go check on my mother now. So mm-hmm. I went to go check on my mother, and so I told her before I go home, I'm going to go check on a few friends of mine also around the corner. It's, all, it's holiday season. Of course, everybody's out having fun. Even though it's 10 o'clock on the north side, people still like to party and be out and chill because it's the holiday season. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like what I was accustomed to growing up. Yeah. So um, while I was over there, it was uh, a disturbance that started to happen that I didn't initially quite catch at first. Then um, when I saw what was about to happen, it was a shooting getting ready to go on. I kind of jumped in front of the books to save somebody else. And I don't know, I had a slight... Now, hold on, hold on a second. You said you kind of jumped in front of somebody to stop the bullets. Yeah, I did. That's not, that doesn't seem like a kind of thing to me. It sounds like something I deliberately chose to do. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, a little deliberation, but I, I'm kind of mad at myself to this day still because I felt like when I hesitated, like, is this smart to do? And then it was like, no, nah, forget it. Get down, grab that girl and her daughter, get, get on the ground. Cause they don't, because they're not, they don't see what's getting ready to happen. And I saw what was going to happen. Mm. And so, I, that hesitation, I guess, I don't know. Maybe it was a blessing. Well, I think it was a blessing, but uh, I'll get to that later. So when I see what's ready to go down the shootout, I run and I just jump into the middle of the shootout while they're starting to shoot at each other. And I uh, was shot 10 times with uh, seven six two rounds coming from both sides of the shootout that I ran into the middle of. And so um, I was shot five times in one leg, four times in the other leg, and uh, once in the hand. And I caught a couple more graze wounds. And uh, I almost lost my life that like, night because I was hitting the artery that sends the blood supply to the lower part of your body. And most doctors say you're supposed to die from that within three to five minutes. And basically, God made every possible scenario happen for me to live. And like, as soon as I was shot, it was like an ambulance right around the corner. And they don't usually ride with bags of blood for transfusions and stuff, but they just happen to have bags of blood also while they while while they were coming in the ambulance. And they had just got to me in the nick of time. I remember blacking out, just looking at my hand, like I can't die like this. And next thing I know, it just went dark. Mm. And so I was at the hospital and I woke up about two days later and I didn't know where I was. The only thing I know was bright at first and I didn't know which light it was, the fires of hell or the light of heaven. Mm. And that's why I woke up just terrified. I was like, where, where am I, where am I? That's when I seen the doctors my ex-wife and my mother they're trying to get me to calm down like you had this breathing tube and you you couldn't breathe for yourself for a second. And so the doctors came and hit me with some kind of shot, put me right back to sleep. And um, I woke up back in my room with all the tubes gone and everything else. And so that's how I saw my family and it kind of, it brought me and some other parts of family together that I hadn't really dealt with in a long time, mm-hmm. which, was a, which was a great thing. I, I couldn't complain. As far as all that happened pertaining to my Christian life, I want to say that started probably about two weeks into me being in the hospital. It was probably about two, three o'clock in the morning. The doctors come in sometime at the strangest hours and just, hey, we need sure. to talk to you. Mm-hmm. And so uh, first thing I asked him kind of jokingly, hey, doctor, am I going to be able to keep my hand? And I'm just joking about it. He's like, hey, that's what we're aiming for. And I'm like, what you mean? That's what we're aiming for. I wasn't expecting to hear that. And like, really was literally not expecting to hear that, just making a joke. And so he told me what was really going on in my hand and it had been shattered and most of the bones in there were just in little fragments and it'll be a miracle for them to put it back together. Mm. And so I remember that night and first I want to say when for some reason when I woke up, 
after the after they took all the tools out of me and everything, and I realized, okay, I'm cool, I'm safe. I woke up with like a, a real good peace upon me, like that, like how everybody say that peace that surpasses surpasseth all understanding from God. Mm-hmm. That was going on in me pretty good, and I was taking everything in stride to that say that particular night. And the doctor told me that you're in danger of losing your hand, and so when he did that, it brought all kind of feelings of rage, vengeance, just malice, and everything else, and. I just wanted to, it was like, I, I, like, why? Like, how? Like, I don't, I wasn't even supposed to be shot. Like, and so as I'm sitting there mad, halfway crying about losing my hand, the doctor come back in and tells me, hey, look, you're going to have surgery in the morning. And so as he's talking, I'm kind of like not listening to him because I'm in my head just thinking about losing my hand. And so I remember asking God, if you allow me to please keep my hand, Lord, so I can hug my children. I will not seek any vengeance or anything. Won't try to kill this guy or those guys when they get out. Whoever shot him, just please, Lord, mm-hmm. let me keep my hand. I think it was about eight surgeries later on my hand. Then they said I was finally out in the woods, which was about probably about uh, I want to say about three weeks later. Mm-hmm. And so I was out in the woods with my hand, but then they told me I was in danger of losing my leg because it was having poor blood flow from the veins, the arteries that I was hitting. And there's three of them that go down there, and I had two of them that were severed. Mm-hmm. And so. The whole thing about blood being transferred to my leg was like a big thing because if there's not enough blood flow, your leg eventually dies. And so, you know, amputation is next. So now I'm back in the realm of amputation again. I'm just feeling some type of way. But now it's just like, you know what? I don't, I was like kind of like a, a I don't care and mad feeling. And I don't know, it's just a bunch of different emotions I never felt before because I had never been in this situation. Sure. I remember it was probably a couple of nights later. I had, I woke up in the hospital. They, they took me down from the eighth floor to the fourth floor from intensive care. Because I was better now. I woke up this one night about 3 o'clock in the morning, about 3.30 in the morning. And this, like, this feeling just came over me, like almost like a hot flash type feeling mixed with fear. And I think for the first time in my life, I felt what it felt like to be, to, to be scared and to feel fear. Like, I just, like it finally dawned on me, I almost died. And if I would have died, where would I have spent eternity? And I mean, it terrified me when I thought about it. I instantly mm-hmm. threw my hands up to God in that hospital bed that night. And just started crying out to him. I don't know if anybody heard me. I really didn't care if anybody heard me, but I knew I couldn't go back to a life of what I was living and being in those streets. And I was, I thought I was trying to get out the streets and make my life better, but compared to what I am now, that I was I was just playing with myself and God at that point. Mm-hmm. Right now it's like he showed me the real deal when he had me sit down for a second or like my um one of my favorite gospel artists, Tasha Cobbs, she says she made a song called Gracefully Broken. Mm-hmm. And that's one song that got me through the hospital, through my depression periods, knowing that I'm not broke down and this ain't forever. I'm just right now, I'm gracefully broken. God is rebuilding me. Yeah, I might be a shattered vase right now, but he know how to take me and form me back up, you know, rebuild me back up like the potter does. And so I gave my life to him that night in the hospital as far as just crying out to him, begging for him to save me in Jesus' name and knowing that Lord Jesus Christ is my savior. And so uh, after that, it's like I started that feeling that I was feeling like of um, rage from like, why am I shot? And I wasn't even supposed to be shot and things I'm dealing with. And now I'm close to a month in the hospital. And it's just like, this is not supposed to be my life. But when he came to me and hit me with his power, that, that power of tranquility to chill out. And my son, I got you just right now. I just need you to listen to me right now. It's just me and you time. And when you're in the hospital for a few months, like I was, you spend a lot of time with just yourself, those four walls and that ceiling, and you have no choice but to come to God. And so mm-hmm. 
those were a lot of my best moments I can say in my life. Honestly, as, as crazy as, as it sounds, some of my best moments in my life was in that hospital room having conversations with just me and God. And I mean, at times there was like, I knew it was real because I felt this this energy, this feeling surge through me that I've never in my life felt mm-hmm. what it was like. And as like I, it almost like felt like I could float if I wanted to. Like it, it's like the like the infinite power of God. Like He let me know I'm here, son. And they when I felt that, that's when I knew I could never go back to not wanting to feel that feeling ever again in my life. Like I need that feeling. That I became addicted instantly. Like if this is the feeling that God can give you, I. Forget any drugs, forget mm. all the weed, forget the alcohol. This is the feeling that I want. It was crazy because at night after that, okay, I'm a new Christian, but now it's like, okay, now I kind of want to do Christian stuff to kind of, you know, make myself more, you know, quote unquote Christiany. Yeah. And so, uh, so I'll tell you what, Rob, this has been awesome. Uh-huh. But I want to, I want to pause this. Okay. And we're going to do a part two, so our listeners can hear the rest of your story. Okay. But as we pause for this, man, I just want to praise God. He preserved your life. Now, you're a pretty big guy. You you look like you're a strong dude. I remember when we met, I asked you, when you we talked football a little bit, found out yeah, you're a football yeah. fan. I said, Yes, sir. I think I even asked you, I said, you, Did you play football? Yeah. I'm like, Are you, were you a linebacker? <laughs> and you're like, Yeah. <laughs> you, yep. you're, you're, you're a big, big guy. Yes, you know? sir. Yes, sir. And you, your body took in 10 bullets, you said, right? Yes, sir. Wow. And, but God had it all arranged to where you were able to survive that. You know, a guy works so far ahead that you don't even realize he's doing stuff when he's doing something. Like, I didn't know back say maybe in 1993 when me and my brother first started lifting weights that the muscle density that I would build up would later on save my life. Because I was like, I want to say between 12 and 17% by the fact, depending on what I was doing that week, eating or whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh, so the doctor also told me, hey, but it's because of some of your muscle mass that those bullets didn't shred you up like they were supposed to. Because he's like, those 7.62 rounds were supposed to do a lot more damage to you also. Mm -hmm. And so hearing Mm -hmm. that, Mm -hmm. once again, I could only do nothing but throw my hands up and say it was Jesus. Yeah, praise God for that. And no, I know you got part two, but it's just one particular thing I want to share. Yeah. I was sitting in um I was sitting up in my hospital bed and I had an infection going through my leg from the bullet fragments. And so like I said, I was going on the endangerment of losing my leg. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I got to this point where I well, like I said, because I felt that power. I know now beyond a shadow of a doubt, God is real and he works in our lives. So I said, God, you know what? If I go in this surgery and they amputate my leg, it was your will. Mm-hmm. And whatever, whatever, either way it go, I'm just happy to be your child. And Lord, I put all this in your hand and just left all that stress and everything to him. Like you say, give me your yoke and he'll give you his and his is a lot lighter. And so um, I come out of surgery and I'm waking up. And so after I come out of the days, first thing I do is look under the um, sheet to see if I still have two legs or one. <laughs> and lo and behold, I had two legs. So I'm like, okay, okay, let's find out. I need to find out, like, is this going to be a later thing they're going to do? Or are they going to just, did they want to just see if they're going to amputate it? So, the doctor came to me as I was going in the elevator to my room in the, uh, my hospital bed, being pushed by my nurse. He said, "Oh yeah, hey Rob, um, yeah, don't worry about amputation. You're good now." The infection in my leg it had basically almost diminished itself and was like mm-hmm. going away. Mm-hmm. The very next morning, because the doctors always come by the next morning after I have a surgery, it was like a room full of them, like five, six, seven of them. Probably I tell you, probably about seven to ten of them, and they all had this baffled look on their face. And so they're sitting there like, uh, yeah, uh, we just got the coaches back from your surgery because we did a swab of what we had your leg open, mm-hmm. and we found no 
no infection and so they had this this look on their face like how was that possible like they was really usually they can't it's like they come in in the morning and tell you a bunch of bad news and leave with a smile like okay all right <laughs> um, all right so um this particular moment like i say it was them with the dumbfounded look on their face mm-hmm. and so when she they went uh one of the lady doctors was saying I, we just don't understand what happened and i told her it was jesus and I come, a couple of them who I know were believers, they had this look like, and it's kind of slight nod. But you know, I guess as doctors in the medical field, they can't really speak on things like that, faith and everything else. But like I said, a couple of them it was in their face, and the other ones who didn't believe in Jesus, they were still looking like, how is this possible? This is not scientifically possible. Mm. But I knew, and I looked over at my father, and me and him both smiled. And I was mm. like, that was Jesus. Amen. And so. All right. That's part two later on. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to invite our listeners to come back and join us uh, for the next episode of Sound of Truth Weekly Interview, where we're going to hear the rest of Rob's story. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sound of Truth. If you enjoyed it, please rate and review it. Also, tell your friends about it. Thanks. Music is by Canon and is used by permission. Sound of Truth podcast is produced in collaboration with Harvest Jacksonville. It is copyrighted by Brett A. Mirani, 2022.